Hello, everybody. It is amazing to be home. And uh, more than just being home, it is, it's surreal to be here um, preaching at my home church. I have honestly, I can say that I've dreamed about this since I was like seven years old. Uh, my brother Bryant and I used to dress up. We would ask Dad if we could have a church service at home, you know, and of course he's going to say yes. And uh, so we put on our best suits. I think they showed a picture or something last week. Um, that, was, that was a real thing. That wasn't a joke. Um, we put on our best suits, and, you know, Bryant and I would, like, have our worship songs picked out. And uh, then, you know, one of us would bring a, a sermon. I wish I could go back and hear um, the sermons that we would say because... Oh, good. yeah, there it is. There's me and Bryant. Yeah, just, just killing it from a, a young age. Um, and just to let you know, Mom and Dad, I can't promise that it's going to be better now than it was then. I honestly don't think I've preached since then, so we'll see how this goes. Um, so yeah, it's so good to be here. Uh, I spent, for those of you who don't know, my name's Trey. I spent the last year uh, going to ministry school at Bethel Church in Redding, California. Um, some people know it as Hogwarts for Christians. Um, <laughs> Because, you know, we just, we believe in not only Jesus, but we believe that Jesus is good and that he likes to do things that we can't even understand, right? He likes to do miracles. Do you guys believe in miracles here? Okay, this will go okay then. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so I've really enjoyed my time being a student um, at Bethel School of Supernatural Ministry. Um, And the coolest thing about doing a year there is after doing a year, you know everything, so, you guys, you guys can just look forward to me just imparting that to you. I know everything. Actually, not, not at all. <laughs> I, um, I got the, the privilege to be a, a camp counselor at, um, at uh, kids camp last week. And uh, I'm on the youth team, and so I've really enjoyed being um, a youth minister. And, um, you know, when you are just a youth... Um, leader, youth minister, and you uh, are teaching Sunday school and um, leading on Wednesday nights, it's really easy to, um, to be smart for two hours at a time, right? Um, from Wednesday 7 to 9, and on Sunday mornings for me, my, I teach the 9 a.m. Sunday school. So from 9 to 10, I can come across as a smart person and a well-put-together adult. But when you're at camp, and you're there for a whole week, and you're sharing a, a bunk with, you know, 20 junior high boys. Um, yeah, sometimes things slip through the cracks. And so um, <laughs> there was this, this moment at camp. It was like the second day. And I was like, okay, I think I got this. Like, I think I'm good at being an adult. Like, the kids know that I'm a grown-up and that they can come to me, you know, for anything. And um, I'm walking down the hill. i just eaten lunch. And this little girl runs up to me. And she says, Trey, Trey. And I, I thought something was wrong. I was like, yeah, what's wrong? And she goes, liars go to hell, right? And she, did, she wasn't like on a thirst for like, like a quest for knowledge. She wasn't like, hey, what's like the consequences of sin? And, you know, what's my eternal destiny if I, you know, am not under salvation? You know, she came up and she was like trying to prove a point. She was like, liars go to hell, right? Like, obviously. And I, I panicked 
and I just forgot everything I learned. I didn't, I wasn't like, well, let's talk about this. Let's go get a, a smoothie or a snow cone and chat, you know. I was like, yeah, I guess. <laughs> and she just took off running. <laughs> I didn't get even a follow-up statement. So, yeah, I guess. Yeah, I guess. So I feel really bad for whichever friend made the mistake of lying to her. <laughs> and I feel like she was like, did you lie to me? That means you're going to hell. And her friend was like, was like uh-uh. And she was like, let me go ask a leader real quick. He'll be able to settle this dispute. I'm sure he'll have some deep theological input. And I was like, yeah, I guess. I don't know. John 3.16, I don't know. <laughs> I'll end in one year. <laughs> okay. We need to pray, for sure. <laughs> Definitely need to pray. Oh, Jesus, we love you so much. Thank you for what you're going to say today through me. Thank you for bringing us here together, God. I just thank you uh, that just peace would just sweep through this sanctuary. And I pray for joy. I pray for just extra joy, God. Too much joy. God, I pray for holy laughter. I thank you for Hearts being turned to you. I feel like God wants to do something today with forgiveness in some people. So Holy Spirit, I thank you that you give us the strength to forgive. Jesus, we thank you that you're with us today, God. Amen. Cool. How many of you guys like joy? Yeah, we like joy. Cool, whatever. Well, good. I like joy, too. Um, And did you know that you can ask God for joy? Did you know that you can ask for more joy than you have right now? You absolutely can. God loves to give us joy. He loves loves to make us laugh. I um, had the privilege of going on a a mission trip to um, L.A. There was—I don't know how many of you heard of the Azusa uh, revival. Any of you guys hear about that? Yeah, it was so awesome. Um— I had an incredible privilege just to spend the whole week in L.A. uh, before the revival service. And how ministry school works at Bethel is um, there's like 1,200 students just in my first year class alone. But we're broken down into smaller groups called revival groups. And it's like 70 uh, people in each group. And so we got to take a charter bus of just 70 fired up revivalists from Reading all the way down to L.A. It was about an eight-hour drive. Um, It was amazing. And so I, you know, I was kind of nervous about the trip because I was like, all this expectation was being built up. You know, they're like, last time this happened, like a million people came out of wheelchairs, you know, and every person in the world was saved. It was crazy. And, you know, so there was just like this, this crazy like expectation. And I was like, I hope it's okay that I'm expecting so much to happen because I really don't want to be disappointed. You know, sometimes it's hard to, I have a hard time letting myself want something if I'm scared that that desire is not going to be met, right? Because I'm scared I'm going to be disappointed. Um, But God really got to work on me with that. Um, And he told me, it's okay to be hungry and it's okay to expect things because I'm a good father and I love feeding my children. So, um, and that's actually what I want to talk to you guys about today. But, uh, so we get to L.A., 
And um, on the second or third day, my revival group went to um, USC campus, home of the Trojans. And I know some of you guys here love college football. I love college football. It was an insane experience getting to walk around, you know, the campus of the Trojans. I know Todd wouldn't feel the same way. He probably still has some hard feelings towards the Trojans, but we won't. We won't talk about that. Um, but anyways, it was just this amazing thing. And um, some of you know that I, I went to uh, college. I went to the University of Central Oklahoma, World Shows. And um, so my biggest thing is, as, as a former college student, I just have such an awareness of what college, um, how college students think and what, it, what life is like on campus. And so I, I remember, you know, as a college freshman walking from my dorm to the cafeteria and there'd be like these crazy um, preachers out on the corners, you know, like, you're going to go to hell before lunch if you don't give your heart to Jesus right now, you know, and like, just like they kind of turn or burn theology and just craziness. And, and that's the only people that we really saw doing ministry on college campuses, I don't know what it is about, about um, weirdos being the most zealous for ministry, but that's just kind of how it works sometimes, I guess. But anyway, so that was, in, in my experience, the only kind of campus ministry I had seen as far as like being on campus, telling people about Jesus. So now here I am at a way bigger college, and I'm a campus minister, and, you know, in this moment, and I'm just, I'm just so certain that every college student is going to reject me and think that I'm weird, you know, and um, so we get to the, the campus, and um, we, join, uh, we join up with this other ministry, and they're telling us, like, all this stuff, like, you guys, you know, walk them through this pamphlet, and, you know, walk them through these steps, and then pray with them, and one guy was like, yeah, you need to reach out towards uh, post, postmodern millennials or something, and I was like, I don't even know what postmodern means, so I'm probably just going to preach to whoever, you know, will let me, uh, to be honest, um, and there was, it was just kind of like, and, they, and their heart was not to make it intimidating or religious, I mean, their heart was ministry, they, they've been there for a long time, and I appreciate their ministry, they, they put a lot of, of sweat and tears into uh, the students of USC, so I'm not, I'm not coming down on them. I'm just saying to me, in my heart, it was just being built up as this thing like, okay, here we go. You know, don't mess it up. You know, let's, let's preach the gospel. Let's show signs and wonders and let's get some people saved, you know. And um, so I'm, and here I am again, just I'm, I'm afraid to let myself want to see people saved. I'm, I'm afraid to let myself be hungry to see, to see fruit. And so, anyways, the day starts off kind of rough. We go and um, we're, we're on a, we're in like this quad area where they're they're serving uh, lunch and stuff. And so there's all these college students, and I'm just I'm terrified. I'm not gonna lie. I am like, oh my gosh. I was like, I <laughs> I don't know what I'm gonna do. And so I was sitting um, with my friend Tori, and we were eating lunch. And she was more bold than I was. She actually approached this guy. I was like, hey, can we eat lunch with you? And he was sitting by himself. He's like, sure, that's super weird, but whatever. And so um, he didn't say that, but it was obvious. I mean. So we go and we sit next to him and we're just talking to him. And the whole time she's saying things like, so what do you like to do? What are your hobbies? What are your interests? Blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, okay, when are we going to drop the G-bum? You know, when are we going <laughs> to, when are we going to actually labor here? I know we're not laboring yet, you know? <laughs> so anyways, I just, after this guy, he's like, yeah, you guys are really cool. Thanks for being so nice to me, you know. And um, I was like, oh, shoot, here we go. Where He's about to find out why, though. He's about to find out why, though. 
Because you know you can't be nice to people unless you're like, it's because Jesus loves you, not me. That would be. It's Jesus. So I'm just like freaking out. And long story short, actually, it's not even that long of a story. Short story short, he walks away and we're like, by the way, come to church tonight. Uh, we're at this building over here, you know, if you want to. He's like, thanks, no, okay, bye. It's like, that felt like laboring. That was good. I can do, I can do rejection. That's okay. Here we go. Campus ministry. <laughs> oh, man. How many of you guys know that it's okay to expect good things to happen when you preach the gospel? <laughs> so that was how the day started. And I wouldn't tell this story if it ended like that because... You guys be like, yeah, that happened to me every day. I don't need to hear that story. Um, but so anyway, so all of a sudden, so we're just walking across campus, and my friend Jeff, he is a crazy Canadian man, and he, um, he is really good at cultivating joy and just knowing that God is— my friends John and Michelle, they're in first year with me. They are laughing because they know Jeff. Um, but he is crazy, and he is always just like— like, for example, on the bus ride to L.A., like, nothing would be happening. It was like 8 in the morning, and he would just start laughing for no reason. And then he was, like, laying on the floor. He's like, oh, I can feel the Holy Spirit. And I was like, I can feel you're annoying me right now because <laughs> I'm trying to sleep. It is too early to pray. <laughs> Everyone on this bus is saved. What are you doing? Um, no, but he, he was so good at cultivating joy and just, and, and, and just being filled with the Holy Spirit. And that was something that I'd always seen on his life over the course of the year that I really wanted. I really wanted to be so aware of the joy of the Lord that I could just laugh and be drunk in the Holy Spirit and just carefree and, and, and just really and, and spread that to other people, impart that to other people. I really wanted that. But again, I didn't want to want it. Because I was afraid that it wouldn't happen for me and then I'd be disappointed. I was afraid to be hungry. And um, so here we are on campus and I, and I meet up with, with Jeff and another guy uh, named Andrew who was also just a joy bomb waiting to happen. And, and it felt right to me all of a sudden. I felt like this hunger growing. And all of a sudden, the, the burdens of um, me having to preach the gospel and pass out tracts and to see signs and wonders, all that just lifted. And I was just filled with the Holy Spirit. And I realized that, like, I can't do anything wrong right now. Like, I'm here because I want to represent heaven to this campus. And I'm already doing that just by being here. Because I'm filled with the Holy Spirit, right? So when people come across me, when people encounter me, they are encountering an ambassador of heaven. And that's pretty cool. And it's not that I'm, it's not that sometimes I am an ambassador to heaven and other times I'm not. I always am whether I realize it or not, but sometimes I can choose to be aware of that. Come on, right? We're always representing Jesus. We always look like Jesus to the people who don't know him. But what is, how are we portraying Jesus? I was, I was talking to Grant yesterday and we were just talking about different stuff. And, and I was like, what if you, as an American ambassador, say, say you were in, let's say France, and you had a shirt on, it was like a big American flag. And it was like, oh, American, heck yeah, you know. And you went around to every person in France and you were like, why are you French? <laughs> what, Bro. America, America, yeah. Why are you French? 
I hate French people. You know who hates French people? Our president hates the French. You need to work harder at not being French. You should be American. How much do you think people from France are going to want to visit America? So when we go around with our, uh, our Jesus shirts, how many people want to meet the king of heaven because of us? So, anyways, here I am on campus realizing I'm an ambassador of heaven. And this joy just starts to build up in me. This joy, and I start to just laugh. And it's like, it's like 100 degrees. There's no reason to laugh. Um, it's in the middle of Southern California, just pavement for miles, you know. And um, my friend gets the idea to do something we had learned at our school, one of our weird Harry Potter Christian magic things. Um, not really. It's all, it's all good. I, ch- I checked the Bible. It's good. Um, but what we did is we decided we're going to do a joy square. So we took, we found a piece of chalk. We went to the middle of campus, which was pavement, and we chalked out just a big square, probably eight feet by eight feet. And we decided to tell people that, well, first let me back up. So then what we did is we were just like, kept cultivating just joy. We just kept becoming just more and more aware, just asking the Holy Spirit just to fill us up. We just asked him just to fill us up to overflowing so that we had more than enough to share with other people. Um, and so then, with that mindset, um, we went around telling people, hey, we have an experiment that we want you to try. And these are all college students, you know, um, 18 to 22 or so, you know, and they're just, some of them are like in a hurry on their way to class, you know, but some of them are kind of just meandering, you know, when you're in college and you have time to just meander, just <laughs> walk around like, what interesting thing is going to happen to me today? You know, <laughs> what will I give my attention to today? So those were our target students, the, the ones that were just kind of wandering around. And we'd go up to them and we'd say, hey, we have this cool social experiment. It's only going to take 30 seconds. Uh, would you like to participate? And, uh, you know, they were like, sure. And so we'd take them to this chalk, this chalk square. And we were like, we've been feeling... And we've been testing out that when you stand inside the square, you're happier than you are when you're standing outside the square. <laughs> what they didn't know was that the Holy Spirit was all up inside that square. <laughs> because we asked him to be. <laughs> and uh, we chalked, I forgot this part too, we chalked a, a, a hopscotch. Um, thing that led to the middle of the square. So we were like, okay, before you just stand in our joy square, we didn't call it that. We're like, before you just get in, you have two options. You can step in, and that's like basic cable joy square experience. Or you can hopscotch into the joy square, and that's like bonus, that's like premium. It's like premium joy square. And yeah, it was, if you're thinking that is so weird, you are so right. It, it, it was to the other people so weird. But how, how many of you guys know that sometimes God likes to move in ways that don't make sense to us? You know? <laughs> Which is awesome because it'd be so boring if everything God did made sense to us. That'd be so boring. But anyways, so we're doing this experiment and 
because we are, like we like to say, drunk in the Holy Spirit, you can say fill up the Holy Spirit, whatever offends you less, it's fine. Um, <laughs> but we were, for those of you who are using the terminology drunk, we were pretty toasty in the Holy Spirit at this point. <laughs> for those of you that aren't, we were extra filled, whatever. Um, we were pretty, we were pretty, pretty toasty. And uh, so this just seemed like a really good idea. This, you know, like there was nothing weird about it. I at one point was doing a handstand. I don't even know. I can't even do a handstand. I was just, I don't know, it was one of the fruits of the spirit, I think. <laughs> I don't know. I haven't memorized the list yet. Um, that's in the second year. Um, but anyway, so, so we have these people coming up and they are, we're like, I'm like, okay, I want you to just like assess how you feel right now before you get in the square. I want you to just be very aware of anything that you're anxious about, anything you're nervous about, anything that is stressing you out. I want you to just like, like be aware of that. And then we're going to count to three and we're going to step into the square. And I want you to tell me how you feel after that. And they were like, okay, weird guy. And, uh, so we'd count to three and they would step in. And this is, this is my impression of of someone stepping into the square. <clears throat> They'd be like. <laughs> they were like, what'd you, what'd you do? <laughs> we were like, do you feel better? They're like, yeah, I feel like really happy. Like, <laughs> I'm not lying to you guys. This really happened. This really happened. How many of you guys believe in the Holy Spirit and that he likes to give you joy? Yeah. All right, good. Okay, good. <laughs> then I will keep telling the story. Because if you guys are not on board at this point, we would abort and just do something else. We'd... <laughs> uh, so they would stand in the square. Some of them would start crying. Some of them would just be like, whoa, I just have like the chills. And uh, <clears throat> that was an amazing opportunity. would be like, you want to know how we're hooking this up for you? <laughs> Be like, it's Jesus. It's Jesus. And some of the most amazing encounters with God I've ever seen happened because they were just aware that the Holy Spirit was there and that they met Jesus who likes to make them happy, Jesus who brings joy, Jesus who brings peace, Jesus who likes to take away your anxiety. <laughs> and this, for a lot of these guys, it was the first time they'd ever met him. <laughs> I think more people need to be introduced to Jesus through laughter. Sometimes we, we get too good at introducing Jesus through, uh, through guilt. Conviction's a wonderful thing. Conviction's awesome. Holy Spirit definitely convicts you of your sin. But that's, that's not the only aspect of God. You know? <clears throat> So we, we're having these amazing encounters, and, and uh, <laughs> this one lady is walking by, and she's like an, an elderly lady, and she's, you could tell she's important by how she's walking and her heels. She's just strutting across campus. She does not want to be stopped, but at this point, I'm on a mission. I know that our product works. <laughs> and so I'm like pretty confident. I'm like, you should drink some of this. It's going to work. <laughs> and uh, she's in a hurry. I'm like, excuse me, ma'am, ma'am. And she's like, what? And I'm like, do you have 30 seconds for an experiment that we're doing? She goes, no, I do not. And I was like, okay. <clears throat> she keeps walking. And I was like, oh, bummer. I really felt like I was supposed to talk to her. 
And so, uh, you know, we're doing our other, you know, other people and they're having these crazy experiences and stuff. And so I'm sitting there and I'm just kind of watching um, after a few minutes, kind of taking a break. And then I turn to my right and this same lady who I just talked to is standing next to me. And I'm like, what's up? And I was, I'm not that smooth. I was like, yes, what, how can I help you, ma'am? What do you, what do you need from me, ma'am? That's how I really talk to adults because I get scared. <laughs> But in the story, I was like, what's up? And she was like, um, <laughs> hey, I'm preaching. I get to sound cool if I want to, okay? <laughs> and uh, she looks at me and she goes, do you still want to do that experiment? <laughs> and I was like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> definitely. And um, so I lead her to the Joy Square, <laughs> and um, she's standing at the edge of it, and I can just immediately tell that this lady is just just wearing just stress and anxiety, like no one's business. And um, so I run her through the, the drill. You know, I'm like, be just, I want you to be aware of how you feel right now, and then we're going to step into the square, and I want you to just tell me how you feel after. And so she does it. She steps in, and she looks at me. She goes, yeah, I feel really good. I feel really good. And I was like, that's awesome. And then, uh, <laughs> and I was like, yeah, you know, that's Jesus that you're feeling right now. And she goes, oh, Jesus, I know Jesus. I love Jesus. I was like, cool. She goes, thank you so much. And she starts to walk away. I was like, whoa, 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 no, not so fast. I was like, I feel like I have something that I'm supposed to tell you that's from the heart of the Father. Can I share it with you? And she's like, yeah, definitely. And I told her, what I also feel in my heart for every child of God, and especially this morning for, for this body. Um, so I want you to receive this word for yourself. I, I told her, I said, I feel like this, this joy box that we have right here is just a physical representation of our ability to carry the joy of the Lord whenever we need to, whenever we want to, 24-7. God's never like, you know what, I want you to actually go through this day without any joy, so we're not going to have joy today. Joy's fun for some days, like maybe if worship's really good, or maybe if your kids are behaving, or maybe if you're passing all your tests, then we can have some joy. That's not how God, that's not the heart of the Father, right? He's a God of abundance. So anyways, I told her, I was just like, this, this square is just a physical representation of our ability to carry joy. And I told her, I said, you are this square. You are a joy box. And when people come near you, when they're around you, they encounter the joy of the Lord in a tangible way. And she starts, she starts crying. And um, Jesus started just telling me some other stuff about her life. And I um, got a word of knowledge for her. And I had never, I had never done this to, to someone that I didn't know. And in, in school, you know, uh, how many of you are familiar with the word of knowledge? Knows what, okay. Uh, for those of you who don't, it's just, a word of knowledge is just when, when Jesus tells you something about someone else to lead them to an encounter right? It's never to, to curse them or to, to make them feel exposed or to hurt them or embarrass them. It's just to, to show them that God knows them, make them feel known and seen by the Father, and it always leads to an encounter. Well, it should. <laughs> it should. So I asked her, I said, do you happen to have two kids? She said, yes, I do. I said, is one a boy and one a girl? And she says, yes. I said, is your girl the older one, and she's just about to graduate high school, and she's considering which college to go to. And she said, yes. And she starts crying. 
And I said, I just want to let you know that Jesus knows your family. He loves you and your kids. You guys aren't a family by accident. And he wants to bring restoration to your family. (laughs) Joy and laughing and all that stuff is amazing. It's my favorite things. Some of you who, who know me the best know that, like, I, I laugh so much, like, too much. <laughs> but you know what's even better than just laughing is laughing because all of a sudden you realize how small your problems are compared to how big your God is. And that was the kind of encounter that this lady had in this moment. She was suddenly so aware that God knew her, the God of the universe— knew her and created her for joy and wanted to talk to her in that moment. We turn with me in your Bibles to Exodus 1616. Some of you are like, about time. Where's the word, brother? <laughs> I haven't even been paying attention to you. I've been reading my Bible because this is church. <laughs> I'm just kidding. None of you are like that. <clears throat> okay. So this is the story that I'm sure most of you have heard. It is about the children of Israel have just been led out of Egypt. And everything's going pretty great because I don't know how many of you have ever been delivered from slavery before. But it's pretty awesome. I'm not speaking from experience. I mean, it's like I was speaking from experience. Personally, never been a slave to, to the Egyptians, but I imagine afterwards, it's awesome because you can do whatever you want, right? So anyways, they're, they're post-slave now, and they should be happy and celebrating, but instead they start to complain, and they're hungry, and they're like, Moses, why did you bring us out of slavery? Um, at least when we were slaves, we had lots of food to eat, and... Uh, yeah, I don't think that was really true, but anyways, that's what they were saying. So um, anyways, verse, uh, chapter 16, verse 16. You guys there? Cool. If you're not, then that's your bad. It's taking you way too long. Super easy to find. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <clears throat> verse 16 says, This is what the Lord has commanded. Gather of it, each of you, as much as he can eat. Sorry, I should have set up more context He's talking about, God decided, okay, I'm going to provide for you food. So he sent manna down from heaven, right, and, and quail. So this is, this is God telling them how to gather it. And he's saying, gather each of you as much as he can eat. Um, so skip down to verse 21. Morning by morning they gathered it, each as much as he could eat. But when the sun grew hot, it melted. Really cool thing that God showed me when I was reading this the other day, um, real quick, is that he melted it at the end of each day and wouldn't let them take more than they needed because he, not only did he want to provide for them for that day, he wanted their trust that he was going to provide again the next day. Yeah? Just a little, little thing God showed me. It's pretty cool. Um, so, but, but the cool thing that stuck out to me when I read this um, the most for the first time was that God commanded them to grab as much as he or she could eat. 
How many of you guys know that God is a God of abundance? He's a God of enough. Okay, let's go to verse. Let's go to Matthew 15, 32. Okay, this will be the the biggest passage that we're going to read. We're going to read 32 through 37, and then read some other stuff, and then then talk about it. Okay, so Matthew 15, 32. uh, So he had just uh, been preaching and healing people, thousands and thousands of people, and now it's getting kind of late in the day, and so that sets the stage for verse 32. Then Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I have compassion on the crowd because they have been with me now three days and have nothing to eat. And I am unwilling to send them away hungry lest they faint on the way. I kind of want to stop there. I just, this was actually this morning when I was just rereading it. And just, just the phrase, I am unwilling to send them away hungry. <laughs> That's awesome. That just shows the heart of the father right there. I am unwilling. To, it is not okay with me that these people are hungry. And he's talking about their physical needs. How much more do you think he's unwilling to send us away hungry spiritually when it comes to eternal stuff? Wow, that's just so cool. Verse 33, And the disciples said to him, Where are we to get enough bread in such a desolate place to feed so great a crowd? And Jesus said to them, How many loaves do you have? They said, Seven and a few small fish. And directing the crowd to sit on the ground, he took the seven loaves and the fish, and having given thanks, he broke them and gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the crowds. And they all ate and were satisfied, and they took up seven baskets full of the broken pieces left over. They all ate and were satisfied. How many of you know there's a difference between eating and then being satisfied? (laughs) You eat when you're in a hurry. You're satisfied when you're enjoying your meal. And there's enough. (laughs) And then they took up seven baskets full of the broken pieces left over. Um, Let's, real quick, let's go to Luke uh, 9.17. I just want to, real quick, so that was was 5,000 people that Jesus provided for more than provided for. And this story, I believe, is the 4,000. Luke nine Okay, excuse me. The last passage, that was 4,000 people. This is 5,000. Okay, we're skipping down to verse uh, 17. And they all ate and were satisfied, and what was left over was picked up, 12 baskets of broken pieces. So for those of you who don't know this story, this is a different story, a different situation, where there was a large group of people, and Jesus fed them. And then what is, he didn't just feed them, what does verse 17 say? And they all ate and were satisfied, and what was left over was picked up, 12 baskets of broken pieces. Both times that Jesus provides for the crowds, there's more than enough. Way more than enough. And uh, Jesus just kind of highlighted this to me um, the other day. I think it was actually when I was in L.A. And I just kind of had this encounter where God was like reminding me of this story. And he says, why do you think that there was leftover bread and fish? So I came up with, 
with three reasons. <laughs> three, three possible reasons why there was that much leftover bread and fish. The first reason is God was up in the kitchen like, how much do I need? <laughs> this much? Oh, I don't know. It was not too much. It's like when mom made spaghetti for us. There was like, you know, she had 5,000 kids. So you just, at that point, you're just, you're just freestyling it, throwing things in the pot. How much ever comes out, comes out. So that's, that's the first option. Maybe that's why there was leftover fish and bread. Or second reason, there were some vegans. <laughs> and they were like, are these fish cage-free? Is this, is this bread kosher? I'm not eating that. That's silly. They weren't vegans. They were Christians. So anyways, um, God, <laughs> I'm kidding. Totally kidding. Um, or there's this third reason I thought of, and I think it's probably the best of the three reasons. Um, is that the heart of the father is abundance. The heart of the father is not just barely enough. The heart of the father is, I want your needs to be met. And here, I love you so much. If you want a snack afterwards, go for it. I actually can't find one passage in the Bible in my, in my one-year ministry school. <laughs> no. But I'm pretty sure I'm right about this one. I, I, I can't find one passage in the Bible where it says, and God barely provided enough. I actually, when I think of it, I, I think of a story of um, Jesus helping his disciples catch some fish. They hadn't been able to catch fish all night. And then when he helped them catch fish, they couldn't even pull the net in. There was too much fish. How many of you know that's probably more than 12 fish, you know? <laughs> too much fish. His first miracle was making more wine after all the wine at a party had been drank. Think about that. The reason they needed more wine at a wedding feast was because they drank all the wine. And they were like, yeah, Jesus, uh, we need more. <laughs> he totally could have been like, no, you don't. Trust me, you don't. No, you don't. <laughs> I'm going to turn this water into you drinking this water. Um, <laughs> and, and please don't base your theology off of that miracle. I'm not saying go drink all the wine in your house and ask God for more. <laughs> Probably won't happen. <laughs> <laughs> don't make that miracle weird. <laughs> but it's just another example of God just, sometimes he, he provides just more, more than that makes sense. I just, I, I, and this is something that's just been really hitting my heart, especially in, in the instances where I've been afraid to be hungry because I was scared that I, my need wasn't going to be met. What would you guys be hungry for if you knew you could have it? <laughs> I had this really cool moment. I was sitting in class in ministry school, and I did, you know, four and a half years of college. And some of you were like, it's only supposed to take four. And I'm like, hmm, I don't care. It took me four and a half, okay? I'm still not done, but that's not what we're talking about today. <clears throat> I was sitting in ministry school, and I was hungry. And it was like the first week. Um, and I had just got a new job, um, and I was literally like so stressed to the point where I didn't have any money. I 
didn't have a car, a way to get to school. I was just barely there. I didn't even have enough money to be in school. You know, I, I, God provided in, in great ways enough for me just to, to be there. <laughs> so right now, I'm just in this place of where I'm just like happy to be in ministry school. But I'm also, I just started this new job at a restaurant, and I have to know all the entire menu backwards and forwards. I'm about to take a menu test that day. So I'm sitting in school, and I have my ministry school binder up in front of me, but the menu inside of it. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, praise God. Okay, 12-ounce uh, <laughs> steak, 16-ounce steak. That was... That was life for the first week of school. And all of a sudden, it was about two in the afternoon. I hadn't eaten breakfast yet. And all of a sudden, I started to get really hungry. And I was like, man, I need to eat. And, and I, I got so hungry. And then I, I was not, suddenly I wasn't just aware of my hunger. I was also aware of my <laughs> lack of uh, finances. And so when I... <laughs> So I thought, what am I going to eat? What am I going to eat? Fast forward to a couple months later. Um, I passed my menu test. <laughs> Work's going well. I'm making good tips. Things are going great. I have more than enough money. And I'm sitting in class again, and I'm actually paying attention this time. <laughs> and I get really hungry. And then I also remembered I had a $50 bill in my wallet. And then I thought, ooh, what am I going to eat? What am I going to eat today? And God, God highlighted that moment to me, and he reminded me of a couple months previous when I had been hungry and didn't have a way to meet that need. And he was like, do you see how you feel right now compared to when you did then? And then he told me this. He said, when you're walking in poverty, hunger creates fear. When you're walking in provision, hunger creates joy. So, okay. When you are walking in poverty, hunger creates fear. When you're walking in provision, hunger creates joy and excitement. When you're on the ramen noodle diet and you're hungry, it's not that fun to be hungry. <laughs> when it's, you know, the second week of the month, all your bills have been paid, your friends are like, let's go to Red Lobster. And you're like, let's. <laughs> let's. Cheese biscuits are a good idea right now. Same thing, you're, you're hungry in both situations, but what's the difference in how you feel? You know that you're provided for. You know that you have a way to be fed. Some of you, you crew kids in here and youth, you still live at home. When you're hungry, you know that I have a, you have a way to be fed. Mom! <laughs> <laughs> and obviously... There are times when, when things will be tough. And I, I'm not suggesting that if you're ever hungry physically and, and money's tight, I'm not suggesting that you're, you're not walking in faith. You see, but you see what I'm trying to illustrate is just that when you know who your provider is, you're happy to be hungry. When you're hungry for the things of God, how should you feel? 
When you see something on someone's life and you're like, I want that. When you hear testimonies of people being raised out of wheelchairs and you're like, I want that. I'm hungry for that. I want to pray for people and see them be healed. I want to see my family restored and walking in unity. I want to see my kids raised up to be mighty men and women of God. I'm hungry for that. I want that so much. What do you think your response should be? It should be joy. Because let me tell you something you guys are provided for. You have the best father imaginable. God's heart for you is not just you getting by and the things of God. He wants you to have more than enough. He loves, he loves to feed you. It brings him joy as a father. I'm, I'm not a dad. Some of you are like, oh, phew. <laughs> we were wondering about that. Just get that out of the way. I'm not a dad, but I imagine that it's pretty awesome when your kid is hungry and you get to be the one to provide for them and then you see them be satisfied. Dads, am I on to something? Does that resonate? The closest thing I experienced is a couple days ago we went to Brahms. We took Benjamin and Julia um, to get ice cream. And um, Bryant was paying for the ice cream. I paid for the swimming pool, so don't, like, judge. Like, <laughs> I contributed, too. <laughs> and uh, they're standing in line, and Brian's like, you guys want to get milkshakes or whatever? And Julia, I don't even know if Julia's just literally an angel. Oh, hi, Julia. <laughs> um, you know, and she's just next to Bryant, and she's like, can I get a milkshake? And he's like, yeah. And then she kind of just like thinks and she like looks up and she goes, can I get a medium? <laughs> and just as an older brother, not even a dad, just as an older brother, my desire is like, yes, you can have a medium. You can have an extra large if you want, princess. Have whatever you want. It brings me joy to see you happy and provided for. If I feel that as an older brother, how much do you think God experiences joy when you say, God, I want more of you. Can I have a medium? I want more of you. And I feel like, so, I feel like this isn't in my notes, but maybe some of you need to know that it's okay to, to have more. I feel like some of you might, there's someone in here who maybe has felt guilty for having more than enough. And I just kind of want to just break that off of you right now and just let you know that that is okay. That is absolutely okay. If Julia is sitting there drinking her medium milkshake, would I ever want to go up to her and be like, that's enough. <laughs> You've had enough fun. <laughs> what about the people out there who don't have milkshakes? Why should you have a medium when there's people who don't have a milkshake? Come on. Some of us see God that way, right? Some of us are like, God, could I please, maybe, I'll be really humble. <laughs> please don't, don't take it away from me. Anyways. God wants us to have more than enough. It's the heart of the Father to provide for you. And it's okay to be hungry because he loves to meet your needs. There are a few things that can get in the way 
of, of walking in this, in this uh, truth. Um, and one of those things is jealousy. And um, this is another moment that I had in, in ministry school. I was um, just laying on the floor, just like praying and stuff. I, I wasn't even thinking about like provision or anything. I was actually just having a really good day, just praying, talking to God. And, um, and, and, and the Lord was like, I want you to just remember when you were a kid and you were in your kitchen. And so I was like, okay. And so I just, I just imagined being in my kitchen. And then I just kind of saw, I don't want to say it was a vision, but it was kind of a daydream and I wasn't really driving. Does that make sense? God was really speaking to me. Sometimes he speaks to me in images or memories. Um, and so I'm, I'm watching, I'd say I was about 10, 10-year-old Trey in the kitchen. And it's early in the morning. And I am going to the cereal cabinet. And I'm opening the cereal cabinet. And I get out a box of Cinnamon Toast Crunch. Because that was my favorite cereal as a kid, Cinnamon Toast Crunch. And then I pour a bowl of cereal. And I pour it as big as I can. And then I pour the milk in, and then I set the box back in the cabinet. I'm sitting there, I'm eating my cereal. And then I was, then I, at this point, I started to remember what was going on. And I remembered what this memory actually was, because this is a real thing that had unfolded several times. Um, I don't know how many of you come from big families, but <laughs> when there is a choice product, such as Cinnamon Toast Crunch <laughs> in the cabinets. And there's only one box of Cinnamon Toast Crunch. And there are five other just hungry, just sweaty children just waking up, just like, where's the Cinnamon Toast Crunch? <laughs> Kidding. That's just how I remembered it at the time. <laughs> um, I just, I just remembered eating my cereal, but I couldn't even really enjoy my cereal because one by one, my younger siblings would wake up and they'd make their way to the cabinet and they had also remembered it was Cinnamon Toast Crunch Day. And I say day because it never lasted more than a day. As soon as mom bought it, I, if I remember correctly, sometimes you would buy it and then just keep it in your room for a little bit. Like, let's just sit on this one. Let's just wait. <laughs> you guys have been good, but I don't know if you've been Cinnamon Toast Crunch good. You know? Just kidding. <laughs> but I just, rem- I just remember watching them, and it was like this, it was like the worst horror movie I'd ever seen. Just five other people just dumping endless amounts of just cinnamon toast crunch in their bowl. And I'm like, no, it's all going to be gone. Doesn't one of you just want like yogurt or something? <laughs> you all want cinnamon toast crunch? And God spoke to me. And he said, Trey, you've been seeing the things of me the same way you saw Cinnamon Toast Crunch when you were a kid. I'll, I'll back that up a little bit. I saw my siblings eating Cinnamon Toast Crunch, and instead of enjoying the fact that they were enjoying that cereal, I thought, that's less for me. It's really silly. I mean, it's just cereal. But when you're a kid and you start to kind of develop a mentality of like, more for you means less for me. That's just how it works. There's only so much. There's only so much Cinnamon Toast Crunch, right? Then it's going to run out, and that means I can't have any. 
How many of us look at other people and God is just working in their life? They're just moving. Their healing ministry is just, phew. they can speak in tongues and interpret it in Chinese and they, you know, have revivals. Their family's perfect, you know. Their kids are nice. How many of you see, how many of us have been conditioned to see good things on the people and our reaction is jealousy and it's because in our hearts it feels like that means less for us. And maybe you don't realize that that's one of the reasons and there's a lot of reasons to be jealous of people but I feel like it's really silly to be jealous of something that you have faith for. So then God showed me like this, this image of me opening the, the cupboard and there's, it's just stacked wall to wall with cinnamon toast crunch, boxes of cinnamon toast crunch. And then I thought, how would, have I, how would I have acted as a child? How would my thoughts towards my siblings have been different if I had an unlimited supply of cinnamon toast crunch? And this is just an application. What, what I'm saying is God is a God that is eternal and abundant. And he has more than enough for all of his children. So why would I ever be jealous of someone else's breakthrough, someone else's ministry, when I know there's, a, there's more than enough for me too? And just because it hasn't happened for me doesn't mean it's not going to happen for me. Just because it happens for you first doesn't mean that, you know, I'm never going to get it. If I come from a place of being a son of God, if I come from a place of knowing I'm provided for, I'm not going to be fearful when someone else is provided for. You can have as much cinnamon toast crunch as you want. I hope you eat your fill. I know that there's more for me because my dad is eternal. <laughs> I just think that's pretty cool. There's no such thing as barely enough in the kingdom. I don't think that's a phrase we'll ever hear when we get to heaven. Barely enough. There's more than enough. <laughs> Some of us think that we are better Christians for not wanting more. And I don't think that's the case. Imagine my dad, for instance, wants to take me out to eat. And he's like, Trey, let's go out to eat. It's on me. I'm going to take you to a nice steak dinner. I want you to have whatever you want. Because I'm your dad, you're my son, let's do this. And I was like, okay, if you really want to. And then imagine that, then we go out to eat, and we sit the table, and my dad's like, what do you want? And the, and the server comes up to take our order, and I'm like, you know, I'll just have bread, it's complimentary. I'll have bread and water. <laughs> How many of you think that I'm being a good son? in that moment. I'm being an idiot. <laughs> Some of you guys know when dad says it's on me, you get what you want. You get the ribeye, side of shrimp. Yes, we'll have an appetizer, right? <laughs> it would take away joy from my dad if I were to act that way. If I were to say, um, yeah, Dad, I appreciate that you want to provide for me and that you want me to, you know, experience this awesome thing, but I just want bread and water because that's what I think you're wanting and capable of providing for me. Right? How many of us 
go out to eat with Jesus. And we're like, I'll just have salvation. That's free. I'll just have salvation and water. I don't want to bother you. I want to be a good son. I, all that other stuff, I don't, you know, don't worry about it. I'm fine. I'll be fine. This sore back I've been dealing with, I'm fine. I can deal with it. My finances are a mess. I'm saved. Thanks for the salvation. That's all I need. And we think that I, I can't get all this other stuff. Like, I would love a healing ministry. I would love to be able to speak in tongues. I would love to give words of knowledge and prophesy. But I can't, I can't afford all that. And you're right. You can't. But you're not the one picking up the check. Right? It is God's joy and his pleasure to provide for you. I feel like when we, when we say, I just want salvation, I, just, I, I can do this by myself, we're actually like, it's like we're like taking away from God's reward when Jesus is on the cross, you know? It's like, if we don't, I mean, he died for us to, to walk in wholeness, complete salvation, physically, emotionally, and spiritually, you know? And if we just want the spiritual stuff, oh, I just, want what I, I just want what I have faith for. I'm scared to be hungry for more. I'm scared to want more. It's okay to be hungry. <laughs> In fact, God wants you to be hungry. And uh, I found that a great way to walk in abundance and a great way to be fed spiritually is to take care of others and to feed others. I, this is probably just how my silly head works, but I think the times I've been hungriest are when we have youth events and I'm a youth leader, you know, so I'm like here to serve and we have pizza or something, you know, and all the kids are filing through and they're taking and they're eating and having a good time. And I'm just watching them eat this pizza and I haven't eaten yet. I know my time's coming, right? I know that after ministry time and everything, I'm going to get the leftovers and we're going to have a good time with youth leaders. But, I, but I'm so hungry, but I'm, I'm happy because I'm seeing their needs met. But in me, it's, I'm also like, dang, that pizza looks good, you know? That's a silly illustration, but it works. Because I have found that to be true spiritually as well. Um, when you decide to meet the needs of other people, even when you have needs to be met, you're walking in faith. You're saying, God, I, I'm giving because you've given to me. I'm giving because I believe by faith that I have more than enough to give because you're my provider. Right? And one of the best things, one of the best ways that I found just practically to meet the needs of others spiritually is encouragement. And I just want to, that's my main thing today. If you guys don't get anything else or don't remember anything I said, I just want you to feel encouraged. My brother Grant was telling me a story about how he, you know, he works at Chick-fil-A and, um, 
he, and everyone at Chick-fil-A knows that he is a Christian, you know, and that he's saved and all this stuff. And um, he has these coworkers, and, and Grant is, if you guys know Grant, you know that he is just awesome, just a source of joy and encouragement and love. He's so loving. Um, and so he likes to, he's telling me yesterday, he likes to encourage his coworkers. And he has this, this one coworker who identifies himself as a homosexual. And Grant went up to him, went out of his way to go talk to him and say, dude, you are so awesome. You are great at serving. You're great at making people happy, meeting their needs. And he's just encouraging him, right? And Grant told me that this guy was like so shocked that he was being encouraged by a Christian. That's not supposed to be that way. We should be the most encouraging people on the planet. And not just to people who are Christians. You know, Jesus said, I didn't come. A doctor doesn't come for those who are healthy. He comes for the sick. And we're supposed to be Jesus to the world. We're not just supposed to just be in our Christian circles. Oh, you're awesome. No, you're awesome. See you next Sunday. (laughs) We're all awesome for two hours a week. If you want to experience joy, give it to other people. Show other people what it's like. Make your own joy square. Chalk out your own joy square around yourself and say, whoever steps inside this square today is going to encounter joy and mercy and grace and the peace of God. Because I know that my father wants to give me more than enough. He's going to fill me up to here and then keep going. And I'll have no choice but to share.